Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, we have all been influenced to not do some not so smart things like a night out that turned weird or something that you bought. I, I once bought an old Toyota Land Cruiser that ended up being a huge bucket of rust. Uh, and often we do things like that because someone or something influenced us. There are a lot of influencers around us. There are a lot of like people and businesses and advertising agencies trying to influence us on a daily basis. And we, we come into contact with thousands of advertisements every single day. Our kids, if you have kids, they see a thousand, thousands of advertisements every day. And we're supposed to somehow resist these things all on our own. One of the greatest things that we can learn how to do is to tune in the right voices and to tune out the wrong ones. When you, when you get on an airplane now, uh, something like nine out of 10 of you have earbuds in or headphones on. When you get on the plane, you, you uh, like even put them on sometimes. And I know you don't even have anything playing in them. You just have them in. And it's like the don't bother me now, look, don't mess with me. You're tuning out the voices that you don't want to hear, right? Some of us even have like noise canceling headphones. Back in the... Um, 1980s, when I grew up, I was really into music and loved to play it loud. Back in that day, we had things called stereo systems, and we were into it being really loud. And so we put all the stereo components in tall glass cases. And if the speakers weren't at least as tall as you were, then you were kind of like lame. Um, those things had like these giant knobs where you could turn down the bass and the treble or turn it up, and you could turn the volume up or down with these huge silver knobs you have the ability to turn the right influences up and the wrong ones down in your life. It's, it's what we try to do as parents of young kids. We're like, nah, you're not playing with that kid. We're turning you down or we're turning this other kid up. It's part of parenting is helping them turn down the bad influences and turn up the right ones. We'd probably all agree too that if we could turn up God's voice in our lives, that would be a good thing. If we could do that for our kids, that would be a good thing. In fact, my guess is that that's why you're listening right now. You're interested on some level in hearing not, not what I have to say or what someone else has to, to say, but you're interested in hearing what God has to say in your life. And you'd probably agree with me that uh, when I say, if I could turn up the influence of God and turn down the influence of the distracting or the negative things, that would be a really good thing in my life. The book of Proverbs in the Bible backs that up. In fact, it says that there are three ways we actually usually turn the bad influences up louder. There's three ways we do that, and there's only one way to turn God's voice up. Last week, we walked through this verse, and we said that there's a question to ask, that if you answer and you, uh, if you ask it and you answer it, you're going to end up over time with a life of better decisions and fewer regrets. And the, the passage was written by Paul in the book of Ephesians to churches where he was trying to explain, now that you live in the light as a follower of Jesus and not in the darkness any longer, here's how you should live. Here's what he says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will 
is. And we ask a question that comes out of this passage, and we challenged you to ask it to yourselves this last week, not even to act on it yet, but just to figure out what you would do if you were going to act on it. And the question is, in light of my past experiences and my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? We said that if we, if we use that question as a grid, that we funnel all other questions through, we will begin to turn down the other distracting or even the bad influences around us, to turn them down and to turn up God's voice in our lives. But like I said, there, there are some things we do to sabotage ourselves. And, and you and I will do this to ourselves if we aren't thoughtful and careful. Uh, we tend to ask a different question though than that question. We're always looking for where the line is. The question we often ask is, where's the line between right and wrong? How close can I get to that line before I go over it into what's wrong? And there's a lot of places in life that we ask uh, that, that question. We can pick on certain areas of, of our life, like the easy ones are like sex and alcohol. With sex, people ask all the time, what's allowed? Sex before marriage, what's the Bible say? That's what people want to know. And, and, and uh, what is allowed is not even really the best question, is it? It's, it's not the best question to ask. The best question is, what is the wise thing to do? But it's, but it's such an interfering kind of question, isn't it? Because we're, we're often just looking for justification for what we already know that we want to do. But asking, what's the wise thing to do? That's different. That just kind of hits us differently. This kind of question cuts through the layers of all the other stuff down to, what does God really want you to do? But you might say to yourself, I don't really like this question, and that's why it's a good question. And, and the incredible thing is, in this ancient book, the Bible, it talks about, like I said, these three types of people who, instead of turning God's influence up, they have turned other influences up in their lives. The Proverbs was a book that was written by Solomon, who was known as the wisest man. Like Other kings would sing their representatives to him to, to, to have wisdom shared with them. And he wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, which is if you think the Bible's a boring book, read Song of Solomon. Uh, all of that is full of insight and wisdom about life, real life, practical life. And in Proverbs, he writes about four kinds of people, the wise ones, and then three other categories. And I'm just going to say, like, what we're going to say here today is kind of offensive, like, but no one around here is tracking you down to get in your face. But Solomon says, if, if you don't opt for wisdom, you will accidentally opt for these other things. And the first kind of person is what he calls this, the, the, the kind of person he calls simple. A simple person is too young to know any better. Like, you're naive. You're, remember the movie Clueless? That's, that's you. Uh, not bad, not evil, not trying to ruin your life. You're just lacking something that older people have, and that something is experience. And I, I've said this before. Other people have too, but Taylor Swift got it right when she said, when you're 15 and somebody tells you that they love you, you're going you're gonna to believe them. And, and this is not because you're dumb, uh, not because you're a bad person. It's because... You're 15, and this is a warning. The problem is that you lack experience, and Solomon writes the book of Proverbs. He describes it like this in chapter 7. He says, at the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among them the simple. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. And so this prostitute draws him in, and he thought it's no big deal, but it was. And he's like watching a movie like something bad is about to happen, and and, and, and it says that all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing that it will cost him his life. Now, 
We read that and think, well, he's so naive. He's so clueless. He's, he's, he's a simple person. He lacks experience. Um, when I was in college, the only mail that I ever got in college was credit card applications. You, you, know, you know why? Because I was naive to the ways of credit and, and, um, and, and companies take advantage of this. I had no idea or no clue what like ten dollars or $15,000 of credit card debt would be like. And thankfully, I never did that, but it's easy to understand why people do. When middle school or high school students do drugs or drink, adults don't sit around and go, they're so cool. We're thinking, how naive you are. You like experience. When you're, when you're 15 and you've never coughed up a lung or gotten sick, you lack judgment. And if you think sleeping around is not a big deal, it's just naive. You've never been 30 years old and had to deal with a, a past full of that. And you, you think, well, if nobody gets sick or, or like pregnant, there's no consequences. A, a simple person responds to wisdom like this. Nothing's going to happen. I, I can totally handle it. You guys are overreacting. But we overreact not just to, because of you do it, but because we anticipate the future when you're 15, right? I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's just the reality of when you're kind of like 21 and under, you lack experience. It's not your fault. Old people wish we were young like you because you're young and you're cool and you can, uh, you can like wear awesome clothes and we can't so much and you haven't faced consequences in your life like debt or when you can't make a house payment this month because you don't have enough money. You're not afraid of that. You've never been addicted to anything. You haven't had your heart broken. You haven't done damage to yourself sexually. And, and here's the cool thing. Like you can have something the rest of us can't have. This opportunity is slipping away, but you can have it both ways. You can have the benefits of youth and the benefits of wisdom all at the same time. When you're young, your life is ahead of you. You, you can like drink awesome coffee all day long and wear those cool clothes and you can be wise at the same time, but you'll have to seek wisdom. It won't come naturally. You're going to have to ask for it. You haven't lived long enough to, to learn it yet. I know it's offensive to say this, but the last thing to say to simple people, don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. And older people would say around that, yeah, I would love to go back and be focused on my future hopes and dreams that I didn't waste time trading in that, the, the moment for my future. And you can have it all. You can have youth and wisdom, but you're going to have to ask for it. The, the thing that no one in your culture will tell you what to do is to ask this question. In light of your past experience, in light of your current circumstances, in light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? And the, the solution is saying to God, if, if I'm the only one, and even if I don't agree, like if I'm the, I'm going to trust you, God, uh, and, and like God will coach you through the years of being naive and preserve you and your future. But if you sit in this place where you refuse to listen, your lack of judgment can kill you. I mean, relationally, morally, even physically. The second person Solomon talks about is what he calls the fool. And the difference between this is that the fool knows the right thing to do. They just don't care. But uh, don't you know that that's going to hurt you? We would say, yep. Don't you know that that's not a wise thing to do? Uh, yeah. You're going to do that anyway. Yes. Everybody that does that, you know, or, or invest in that when they're like, I know, I know. And it's, I know it's so like offensive, but Solomon says, if that's where you are, you're a fool. And here's what he says. And it's so uh, in, in your face, but it's true. He says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. And you've seen that before? You know, the last time you did that and you know what happened? I know. You're going to do it again? Yeah, I'm going to do it again. I'm a fool. This is what like fools do. We've returned to the scene of the crime. Proverbs 10, a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. Fool, the fool knows the difference between right and wrong. They just don't care. 
Now, um, judges and courts who see people over and over and over again, they're not simple people. They're, they're foolish. A fool has to learn the hard way. They have to feel the full consequence of their decision. So it's why people with a DUI are out there still risking it because they're foolish. It's why habits ruin your life. They're, they're foolish. The cure for the simple person in this is just time, but the cure for the fool is tragedy. And what Solomon says, and some of us have learned, is you can't really teach a fool. Uh, we already know this. Fools just say, I don't care. Like, it's my body, it's my time, it's my life, I can do what I want to. But that's actually not true. Foolishness blinds you to your own selfishness. The scriptures say, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm in Proverbs 13. Now, you tend to rise and fall to the level of the people that you spend time with. And the tragedy is not that you just hurt you in these things, it's eventually you hurt someone else. And you'll say, well, it wasn't my intention, I never meant to do that, but they're still hurt. This is why parents kind of freak out sometimes about their kids' friends. The companion of fools suffers harm. They don't, they don't care, fools don't care about themselves or, the, or you. The only way for God to get a fool's attention is to allow them to feel the full effect of their decisions. Now, the third person Solomon uh, talks about is called the mocker, which is kind of extreme. It's like the scoffer. It's the fool, but a thousand times worse. You try to correct them and they're going to hate you or just not just ignore you. They scoff at people who do what's right. There aren't really a lot of them in in church because uh, they want to control the conversation. They have a condescending attitude. You may work for somebody like this, and if you do, I'm sorry because you're miserable and they want to control and there's criticism and there's condescension. You may be married to somebody like this, or maybe you work for somebody and it's just sad. And if that's you, you've already decided what you want to say to this. In Proverbs, it says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you, Proverbs chapter 9. Like they pounce on you because they want to control and criticize and they always think they're the smartest person in the room. And Solomon says, what you have to do with them is throw them out. There's nothing you can do. There's no hope. You won't talk them into changing. They're not interested in any kind of knowledge. There's insecurity there. There's pure arrogance and cynicism. Mockers and scoffers are almost impossible to have a relationship with. They defend things with their power and their position and their, their money. And when you sit in one of those three places, it's almost impossible to receive grace because you correct the simple, they won't get you. If you correct a fool, they're going to ignore you. If you correct a mocker, they will hate you. But if you correct the wise, they will thank you. And here's the truth. Eventually, all three of those things, the simple, the fool, the mocker, they need wisdom They're going to ask, should I marry her? Should I marry him? Where should I work? All these things need wisdom because life stops working. There are consequences. The wheels start to come off. And now I want to like unscramble some eggs and patch some things up. And the scoffer is going to realize they're all alone. I need wisdom. And the tragedy is this. The Bible says this. The tragedy is this. The result of refusing to move out of those places is that when you need wisdom the most, you won't be able to find it. It'll be invisible to you. You won't recognize it because you haven't prayed, you've alienated yourself from God's word and there's no one to help. Proverbs chapter one 
Solomon pictures wisdom as a, as a woman who wants, she, like, who wants wisdom, come and get it, calling out into the streets. And imagine where you might be from your place, like, like not hearing God, it's not God talking, it's wisdom. Solomon, who has observed a lot, says it like this, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me for wisdom, but will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not fear, choose to fear the Lord since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. And it's like heartbreaking. Uh, People sit here in in your chair too long and you're now asking for help and and God's saying, why didn't you, why did you wait so long? He's also saying what you want, you can never have in this life. And you can do permanent damage to your life and your relationships and your soul, not from God's perspective, but in the context of this life. You stayed there too long and you knew it and and you want to talk through a remedy now, but it's now about decisions and not words. You, You reap what you sow and there's no amount of counseling that can fix it. And the mocker is always going to say, I can control the outcomes, but you can't. Too arrogant to admit to your wife or your husband or your kids or your friends that, that, that they were right. But Solomon offers a way out. It says this, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. There's no mistake that you're here, that you're listening. God always offers another chance. But answer this question, where are you when it comes to those three things? Maybe in one or two areas of your life. You're saying, that's not going to happen to me, or I'm just going to deal with it, or or, I don't want you to bring that up again. You don't have to be alienated from wisdom when you need it. And it's difficult to get out of one of those three seats, the simple, the mocker, the the fool. You might be saying, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. but, but, But God is saying, if you will quit trusting in your own heart, I will deliver you. The fear of the Lord, it says, is the beginning of wisdom. Saying, God is God, I'm not. God, you have the wisdom, I don't, I acknowledge you. And first, that means this, just to confess. I've been naive, I've been a fool, I've been a scoffer. And then the beauty of God's grace is that God won't hold decisions in your past against you. He'll give you a clean slate, he'll give you a fresh start. And the second thing is this, just ask. Just ask, what is the wise thing for me to do? And your Father will deliver you. He'll accept your cry for mercy and grace when you acknowledge yourself in the mirror. Let me ask you, like, where are you? Where are you sitting? Where would you like to sit? The wisest move you can possibly make is to place your life in Jesus' hands. Now, the next move, then, is yours. And I'm going to lead you in how to put yourself into Jesus' hands now. Would you pray with me? Father, um, Right now, I want to pray on behalf of those who are saying, I am at the end of myself and I'm ready to be open myself up to your wisdom. And that's not just about um, sayings or ideas, God. It's about the person of Jesus. The wisest thing that we can do is place ourselves in the hands of the all-knowing, all-loving God. And so right now, I pray on behalf and maybe invite Uh, my friends to pray this with me. God, without you, I'm lost. And in my own sin, I'm stuck. But right now, God, I want to move from the place of being just the simple or the naive, maybe from the place of being a fool, because I've been a fool. Maybe even some of us have been the mocker. I want to move from that place into a place of wisdom. And so that means that I repent
I turn from my sin. I acknowledge what you did on the cross for me was for me to save me and repair my relationship with you. So right now I say yes to an offer of relationship, of forgiveness and leadership, and I invite you to come into my life. I pray this in the mighty, incredible name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.